Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 88. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy you are here, and I am thrilled to have guest Rhea Story, who is a speaker and author and co-founder of Top Story Leadership here with us today. Welcome, Rhea. I am so happy you are here. Hi, Kim. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you and and hopefully add some value to you and your listeners. Oh, thank you. And I'm so excited, too, because I know when we talked last time, you already filled my brain so much, and I just walked away feeling so enlightened. So thank you again. Rhea is the author of Prime Time, The Power of Effective Planning. And that is just one of your books. And you have another one coming up soon, right, Rhea? That's right, Kim. I've got a book coming out the first week of April, and this will be book number eight for me. So I, one of the things I love to do is write because I can reach so many more people through my books. But this new book I'm really excited about, it's called Leadership Gems for Women. And it really focuses on leadership from a woman's perspective, both at home with family and interacting with your family and relationships there at home, but also leadership in the corporate world, uh, where I talk about, you know, Women are naturally gifted, high-level leaders because they're relationship-oriented. However, I think a lot of times we feel pressured to to kind of suppress that relationship building, and uh, leadership in a man's world, quote-unquote, can be a little challenging as women. So I love to talk about leadership from the woman's perspective. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this book, and I'm just so excited about it. And we were chatting a little bit pre-chat. It's so coincidental that we are recording this on International Women's Day, which I think is absolutely fabulous. That's right. It's uh, it's exciting. You know, if I had given it a thought and been a little more a little more on the ball, I should have launched the book this week instead of instead of a month from now. But <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> well, there's been so much going on, especially this year in the women's everything women related. So I th- I don't think there's going to be a wrong time. And everything happens in its right time, right? It does. You're exactly right. And that's one of the things I love to talk about in prime time, which is what we're ta- touching on today. Definitely. Let's jump right in. And would you mind, before we start talking about prime time, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey and how, I know this is a very broad question, I would love to know how you have found time, and I know this is so broad, again, to write eight books, how you get your ideas out, you know, if it's on paper or on computer, Mm -hmm. and yeah, just share a little bit more about your background if you wouldn't mind. Sure. I left home at 19. I left home with absolutely nothing. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a high school diploma. I didn't have a job. I left home with with pretty much nothing. The reason I left home, I ran away or left. That was the third attempt, actually. But I was running to escape an abusive situation. I was a victim of sexual abuse by my father from age 12 to 19. Really, by the time I left at age 19, I was just absolutely desperate to get away. Leaving home with nothing, I was completely unequipped to enter the real world and and get a job. And I didn't have any real job skills or anything like that. And the only job I really could get was waiting tables. Now, it didn't take me long at waiting tables at $2.13 an hour and, and picking up half-eaten pizza crust to realize that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a waitress. Believe me, I learned some valuable 
lessons about people and about work ethic in doing that. And I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So I looked around and I thought, well, I better get busy and I better go to school. So that's what I did. I I worked a full-time job and I studied to get my GED and then start attending some college classes at a community college. I found a second job. And so I worked two jobs and went to school um, at nights and then on the weekends. And along about that time, Mac and I got married and I had a stepson, nine-year-old stepson at the time. So I was really balancing, you know, I was balancing two jobs most of the time, role as a step parent and a wife and, and, you know, cooking and all of the things that go into sustaining a family as well. And I really continued to, to balance that throughout the years. It took me almost 10 years to earn my MBA. Most of that time I had two jobs, either as a part-time job on the weekends or night, and then a full-time during the day. Also during that time, I learned to to train for and run my first marathon. And then Mac and I started competing in mountain biking racing. And so, you know, I really didn't think about it for me. It just kind of was really simple for me in terms of focusing my energy on what was most important. You know, what's the number one priority and take care of that and, and nothing else mattered. When I really started to look back, I realized that, you know, you hear so much about managing time, but it's not about managing time. For me, you know, I didn't have any more time than anyone else. And I still don't, you know, we all, we all have the same 1400 something minutes in a day, but what I managed was what I did with it. That was, that's a strength for me. And so I figured out how to kind of put that into words and, and help some other people figure out how they can do that. It's not that I'm superwoman. You know, I tell people, I'm like, look, I did some things wrong and made some mistakes like everyone else. But I graduated with my MBA in 2012. And again, I was still working two jobs at that point and, and volunteering for a nonprofit and, you know, just a lot of other things at the same time. I heard Les Brown speak and Les Brown is a motivational speaker. And he says, you have a story. And he, he was talking at the time, he was talking to a room full of 200 people. And he says to this whole room of people, he said, you have a story to tell and someone needs to hear your story. And I thought back to my story of being abused from age 12 to 19. And I thought, well, I have a story, but I don't want to talk about it. And so I didn't. I spent six months saying, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to share my story. I don't want to dig the past back up. You know, I'd really just done a good job of closing that door on my, that chapter in my life and saying, I'm not going to open it again. And I, I battled with that for about six months. And I finally came to the realization that if I could help somebody else by sharing my story, then it was, it gave it a purpose. I talk about if you're a person of faith that God doesn't cause the pain in our lives, but he's able to use it. And so when I realized that by sharing my story, I could help someone else overcome, it really gave me a, a sense of purpose and a, a passion for helping others. So six months after I heard Les Brown say that, I made the decision to start talking about my story. Mac and I went to a, a speaker training where they had a contest and it was as very simple rules for the contest. You were given one minute to speak and 60 seconds, you could say whatever you wanted, and five of the winners would be chosen to speak on stage with Les Brown. You know, I'd been fighting with this decision for six months, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, this is an opportunity. I'm going to see if I can do it. But I didn't tell, I didn't tell a single soul because I was like, what if I can't do it? And right up until the morning of, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to even, you know, say 60 seconds about what I'd experienced. You know, I completely melted down the morning of. I had mascara running everywhere and makeup, and it was just a, a complete mess. But you know what? I got up on that stage and I did it. I gave my one-minute speech, and I shared just a little bit about my story. 
And it didn't matter at that point when I sat back down, it didn't matter if I'd won the contest or not, because I'd won such a much bigger victory in myself. I did win the contest as it turns out. So a few months after that, I went on stage with Les Brown speaking in Los Angeles. So that was, you know, it was just a a start of a new chapter for me. I resigned my, my corporate job that I'd gone to school for so long to be able to do, but it really opened a chapter there where I realized that through sharing some of my experiences and some of my lessons, both from my early teenage years and overcoming that, and also through the rest of, you know, what I've been able to accomplish as well. And so, you know, that's when you find that, that passion and that purpose in life, that's when, that's when it gets just so exciting. You wake up every day, just excited about things. Bria, you're so inspiring. And I, I can't even imagine, well, I'm just going to ask what types of feelings went through after you had shared your story? You know, it was, it was interesting because I thought, well, gosh, if I can talk about this and help some other people, you know, it kind of gives me a sense of purpose. It took me almost a year to write that first book about where I share some of my experiences. That was difficult because it's, it's going back through some memories and experiences I really wanted to forget. You know, I tried very hard to leave that behind, but I didn't realize, you know, I wrote the book and I speak about my story to help others, but I didn't realize how much healing it would bring me, you know, as I was able to work through some of those emotions and, and really move past them. You know, I talk about in my book, Beyond Bound and Broken, where, you know, when you learn to cope with something and you just throw away the key and say, I'm not going to talk about it, that's not really true healing. And so I think it was incredible for me to go through that, writing about my experiences and talking about experiences, because it really helped me realize that, you know, the past and where we've come from doesn't determine where we are going. And in being able to say, this is where I've come from, that gave me a whole new strength in being able to say, I don't have to let it define me the rest of my life. And so it's almost like we have to admit our vulnerabilities to gain strength over them, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes absolute sense. And also sharing those vulnerabilities and the stories behind us makes us more of a person and not a statue in front of our audience. Oh, absolutely. Allows us to connect. So that is so huge. I am intrigued though. You had two, did you say sometimes even more than two jobs while you're going for (laughs) MBA? Two jobs, two, Two a part-time job and a full-time job. Two Um, jobs. You are a stepmom. My dog's deciding to input. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) And a wife. Everything that you have had going on, it sounds really like you were superwoman because I don't know how you fit everything into a day. So I would love (laughs) to jump into prime time. I mean, I would love, there's got to be a way that I can fit 48 hours into 24 just by (laughs) cutting out some of the, I don't really cuss on here, but some of the bullshit that I'm doing during the day out. Right. I think that that you've hit right on the the nerve of things, Kim. You know, and I talk about this in the book where I break time. I kind of categorize time in five different blocks or five different buckets, if you want to call it that. I talk about the first bucket or the first block of our time is the is stand the letter P. It stands for power. It's the power block, and this is where activities that we spend in following our purpose, our passion anything that's very productive, that's helping us move forward towards our goals. That's the power zone. 
you know, that's kind of the foundation. The bulk of our time should be spent on activities in that block. And a lot of times, you know, people go, well, I, I can't spend a lot of time there because I've got, you know, emails to tend to and the phone's ringing and, you know, all of these urgent things that pop up. They may not necessarily be things that are important. So for example, if the phone rings and a telemarketer calls, I mean, the phone's ringing, it's urgent. You feel like you need to answer it. But when you answer it, it may not be very important. It's a telemarketer. But if you answer it, you've kind of disrupted your, you know, whatever you're working on, your concentration, and you kind of have to start over. So I talk about, you know, that foundational block where we should spend the bulk of our time is that power zone. And the next block above that is restorative. So if you think about stacking these blocks on top of one another, they get a little bit smaller as we go up, or they should get smaller. A lot of times what happens is if we stack the blocks in the wrong order, and I'll talk about more of what each of the blocks are. If we stack the blocks in the wrong order, it's just like, you know, when our children sit down and play with blocks and they stock the, the little blocks on the bottom and the big blocks on top, what happens? It tends to topple because it's not very stable. So the blocks have to be in, in the right order. So the first block is that power zone, and that's the biggest block. Activities here are in our strength zone, in alignment with our core values, our purpose, our passion. Working in this block means we say no to some things that are in some of the other blocks. And I'll talk about that as we go. So the second block is restorative, where I talk about these are recreational activities where we find renewal and rejuvenation. So the time spent in these activities allows us to really recreate ourselves, find that renewal and that sense of rest. You know, activities like this could be getting enough sleep, or it could be family time, or it could be meditation or sports or exercise. You know, some of those things that we need to do, they're good for us. They give us a sense of renewal and refreshment and and some rest. I talk about, you know, if you're sleeping seven or eight hours a night, that's, you mean, you need to sleep. You need to sleep to stay very productive. So that's time in the restorative zone. But if you're sleeping 15 hours a day, that's more time than you need to spend there. And so any of that extra time sleeping above what you really and truly need falls into an expendable block where it's really just time that that doesn't need to be there. The next block up is the incongruous block where I talk about these aren't necessarily bad activities. They're just things that aren't really helping you move towards your goals. So they may be things that are popular with other people For example, I had the opportunity to decline a job last year, and I mean, it was a great job. It wasn't a bad job at all. It just wasn't really going to help me move in the direction of my goals and toward my purpose. And so anything that we're, we're saying yes to that's not in alignment with our core values falls into this block. doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not what we need to do. And I talk about, you know, a lot of times we have to say no to the good things in life, in order to say yes to the great things. And that's hard to do because they're good opportunities. But saying no to the good frees us up to be able to say yes to some of the good things or the great things. So important that we know what those things are. Oh, absolutely. My husband told me to be the bonsai. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Cut off the weak branches and let the strong ones grow. Yeah, that's a good way to put that because sometimes we're spinning our wheels in in those areas that were just not strong. And, you know, it's, it's just like, um, you know, we talk about, you know, you want to work on your weaknesses and be well-rounded, but I have a different theory. I'm like, work on your strengths and shine like a star because 
stars are exciting. You know, you want to shine bright. And, you know, that's that's in terms of what we know how to do, where where our strengths are. Right. So the fourth block is the marginal block. And this is those activities and situations where you're just getting by. It's kind of like you're you're putting out the fires. So health is a good example. You know, if we are exercising regularly and eating a healthy diet, which is a restorative zone activity or a restorative block, then we're not going to spend nearly as much time battling a health crisis or getting sick or coming down with the flu or coming down with any of those chronic diseases that we really could prevent most of the time through a healthy lifestyle. So marginal block is the crisis situations that come up because we didn't take care of something in a restorative or the power zone. These are deadline-driven immediate projects, something that has to happen right now. It's the, you know, the running out of milk and it's eight o'clock in the morning and your kids are getting ready to go to school. You know, these are the, the things we couldn't really, we could have prevented, but we didn't. So the top, the very top block is expendable. And these are just purely our time wasters. You know, I talked about restorative activities and there's a time for recreation. We need that. But if you're spending, you know, 10 hours a day watching TV, that's time that you could be doing something else. So anything that falls above and beyond recreation could be expendable relationships that are toxic in your life or negative or or unhealthy are another example of something that's expendable. It's something you really don't need. It's something that you just need to just get rid of, just say no to. So this, what I talk about with my clients is sitting down with your, your calendar and deciding what, you know, how much time are you spending in this zone? How much time are you spending in that zone? And when you really start to look at it, it's hard to do because then I'm going to say, okay, what do we need to get rid of? What needs to go? And I think a lot of times that comes down to identifying our core values, you know, deciding what, what hats we are going to wear and, and what we don't need to do. You know, what do we want to say yes to? And that's a, that's a value, then go for it. But if it's something that falls out of that, it's saying no. Volunteer opportunities. You know, I get asked to serve on uh, volunteer projects or, or donate my time to a lot of different things. And, you know, they're good opportunities, but they're not necessarily where my strength is or what's helping me move forward. And so I just have to say, no, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, but it's not in alignment with where I'm going and what I'm doing. And, but because I can do that, I can give more of my time in my strength zone, you know, helping people or writing books or coaching clients or speaking. And those are the things that I, that I really can help make a difference in someone's life. And so I just have to really very strict about saying, what am I going to commit to? Because, and that's something I talk about in the book is I don't like to make any commitments on the spot. Like I love to say, let me think about it because then I don't feel pressured right then and there to give a yes. If I can step back and think about it and, and reflect on it a little bit and say, yes, it's in alignment or no, it's not. Yes. Thank you. That's great. Or no, it's probably not what I want to do. Does that help? I, am I getting yes. Okay, good. And, I, and I'm reflecting back to early in 2016 and I'm rearranging the letters in prime. And I realized that I was, I'm making up a word here, but I'm, I was Miper, M-I-P-E-R. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that was a really bad place to be in because, I mean, with R at the very end, I was sleeping two or three hours a night. Oh, wow. Yeah. For about a year and a half. And that's a disaster. For you listeners who put R at the end, (laughs) no, you need to get R 
back up to where it needs to be because if, especially if you're feeling anxious and depressed, I can't mm. even tell you, and I'm sure you know, Rhea, but after I started sleeping six to eight hours, there's just some nights I, I wake up, you know, I've slept six and I feel totally refreshed. I'm not acknowledging my alarm. Is that bad to say? I have an alarm, <laughs> but I'm not acknowledging it. <laughs> this morning I finally heard it about an hour after it started going off. But wow. I mean, if there's something that I need to get up for, then I hear it. Sure. But today it was just set. I don't even know why. Anyway, but it was really leading to a lot of anxiety and depression, but I was also not following the P. I was chasing what everybody else was doing instead of what I wanted to do. Sure. And sure. that all together, oh my gosh, there needs to be, I recommend another book for what happens when you're do, not doing prime and you're rearranging the letters or maybe it's <laughs> all in this book. I need to read it. Ah, uh, well, I, maybe I should, maybe I should address that more, you know. It's something that, you know, again, it's not that, that I had any more time or, or any more ability than, than anyone else. It's just that I had a natural, I learned kind of naturally early on that the power of focus and as particularly in today's media driven, social media driven world, I think we've lost a little bit of that. You know, it's so easy to be multitasking and you're you know, maybe you're on the phone with someone, but you're checking Facebook at the same time, but you're not really truly focused on listening to that conversation. The more that we do that, the more we try to divide our attention, the less attention we have to give to anything. Sooner or later, we end up not being truly focused and not really working in our strengths. You know, when I'm working on a, a book project or when I'm, when I'm writing, morning times are my strong time of day. So you know, I like to do my writing first thing in the morning. And even I did this even when I was in the corporate world. Like I, I would take my calendar at work and I would block off the first two hours of the day because that was my prime get something done focused thinking time. And I wouldn't take, uh, I wouldn't go to meetings before 10 o'clock in the morning. Even now I try not to make a lot of coaching clients or appointments in those first few hours of the day because it's just, that's like gold and time in terms of my productivity. And I can get more done there working in that strength time of day than I can in the afternoon when I'm, when I'm just, I'm just not as sharp, not as, not as with it. So I think a lot of it is identifying where our strengths are and then, you know, figuring out a system to help us balance out where we're not strong. I was talking with a client not too long ago and she like me has the challenge of wanting to, to say yes to everything because these are great opportunities and I told her, I, you know, I said, look, build yourself in a system, whether it's a best buddy or your hubby or even a journal that you can write down these opportunities that come up and build yourself a, a step in there that says, before I accept another opportunity, I'm going to go look at my list of values and decide if it's in alignment. Or I'm going to ask, you know, my best buddy to say, hey, is this something that's in alignment with where I'm going? So, you know, if you know that that's a, not a strength area for you saying no, build in a step and say, okay, here's what I can do. I can add a step to say, pause, reflect. I don't need to commit to that. And that will help you build up that mental discipline. I'm actually in a mastermind and accountability group right now where before we purchase anything or before we sign up for anything, even if it doesn't require a purchase, we bring it to the group and weigh out the options. And I know that might sound like a little bit of a, I mean, it is a time expenditure. It is, but it has kept my wallet closed <laughs> when it needed to be. Sure. Because there's so many emails, like there's so many emails that go through my box on any given day. 
and I've been trying to unsubscribe, but there's some that I really don't want to. And it's so easy to get sucked in. I do want to ask though, how many tabs do you normally keep open on your browser at one time? Just one, unless there's something I'm flipping, like if I'm flipping back from a a website to copy a quote or something, just one. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I feel like I'm accomplished right now. I only have open nine, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm really trying to get it down to three. It's I was flipping back and forth plus a little bit more. Uh And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not during our interview though, of course, I'm focusing here, but getting down from 20 though to nine has been an accomplishment. So we know it's going to take a little bit of work to get down to three. Your computer will probably speed up too. Oh, absolutely. One tab has been a blessing. Let me tell you. How many items are on your to-do list for a day? Um, I know this varies, but like at any given, do you have a to-do list? Let me start. (laughs) I do. I find that I'm goal. I like having a goal. So I have a probably a different list than other people. So let me explain that a little bit. I basically look at my week ahead and I put my most important value-driven activities first. And those go on the calendar before anything else. So exercise for me is a, you know, that's a prime restorative activity. I absolutely do that pretty much every day. That goes on the calendar first and I protect that like, gold. It's an appointment with myself. So I look at that whole week and I set those value-based activities. This might be a date night with my husband or that's a relationship value. So I need to protect that. In you know, there's things that you got to do like clients and appointments and things like that. So those go on the calendar. Those, I call them the, the big rocks. So if you think about if you had like a jar, a big glass jar on your table, and you're going to put a whole bunch of stuff in there. You want to put the big things in first. So if you put a bunch of the big rocks in first, and then you fill the rest of the jar with smaller pebbles, the urgent things or the junk things or the, you know, the time wasters, those small pebbles will just kind of fill in. You don't really have to worry about them. They'll, they'll settle in where they can. But if you try to throw the, if you let the smaller things get into the jar first and get about halfway full, and then you try to put your big rocks in, not, it's not all going to fit. And so I use that analogy a lot because I say, look, put the big rocks in first in your jar or your infinite week or, or day, put the big things in first. And so I start out looking at the week and then I have a list of, and you know, anything and everything goes on my list. So it's little things that I, that way I don't have to worry about having the brain space to remember to make a haircut appointment, you know, at some point that needs to be done, but it's not really important. So I write everything down on the list. And then I pick the one most important thing on that list. And I don't do anything else until that one most important thing is done. Because if it's the most important thing, I don't need to work on the little stuff. You know, a lot of times we get caught up on doing the, the easy stuff like, oh, call and make a haircut appointment. That's a, you know, that's a five minute thing. That's easy. Let me get it out of the way first. But if it's not the most important thing, I don't need to do it. I don't need to do it. I got to get the most important thing done. It sounds very simple. And like anything, it's it's very simple and powerful, but it's not easy to do because a lot of times, you know, we want to get the little thing, you know, like emails. You look at the emails and go, oh, I can delete this one, unsubscribe, delete, junk, re- quick reply. And so we tend to do the easy things first. But if we're not doing the most important thing first, we're not focusing our energy the best way. Absolutely. And I actually use the big rock method as well, but I've been putting, and this is a big change for me just in the last week, actually, I was putting everything that I thought of in my head down 
And I use my journal for this. I found that when I'm using electronic means, I get distracted by more tabs. Okay. Yeah. And it's so much easier to open up Facebook or whatever else and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I use my journal and I was putting everything that I could think of down on today's to-do list. And then I just, well, I guess it was last week. I started putting everything in a master list, not looking at it, but then every day putting three down. But I think starting, well, today, even though it's already afternoon, my time, <laughs> put the one item down because I haven't even filled in today's. I don't know what I was doing today out of prime. I know I got <laughs> stuff done. How bad is that? I've been sitting at my desk for five hours and I don't know where in prime I have spent my time for the day. And I guess if I was in the P, I would know it. <laughs> it's not bad. You know, I think what you've touched on two things there. Number one, it's important to find a system that works for you. You know, I keep a Google calendar because I can balance my calendar, my husband's calendar, you know, my work calendar. So I can, I can manage that electronically. If electronic doesn't work, use a journal, use a calendar. There is nothing wrong with that. The trick is finding a system that, that fits you and how you like to work. Because if you don't like to use it, you're not, it's like exercise. You won't do it. You don't like it. You won't do it. So, and the second thing is what you just said is, you know, minimizing those distractions and look, I'm not perfect at this either. Trust me. I figured out about a month or so, maybe a little longer than that, six weeks ago, you know, like a lot of people, I would pick up my phone to do something and those little red notifications would pop up like from LinkedIn or from Facebook or Instagram. And so then it was like, oh, wow, I've got to go check that out. You know, someone's commented or something like that. And so I'm like, oh, that's urgent. It may not be important, but it's urgent. And so I felt that need to go check it out. And Simon Sinek talks about this a little bit in his book, leaders eat last. He talks about the fact that social media feeds a dopamine, a chemical reaction in our body. So there's actually a biological reason why we like to go get rid of those little red numbers. So when I realized that, that it was, it was really a distraction for me, what I did was I changed my phone settings. So I turn off all the little red notifications for like social media. And so now when I pick up my phone, I don't have any of those little red numbers that kind of get me off track. Now I can go, you know, I certainly do go check social media and, and check those notifications but I can do it when I'm ready to do it. So it's like when I'm ready to open that door, then I go open it and deal with it. And then I close it back up and, and don't open it again until it's my time. So it's figuring out what works for you. You are so right. That little red dot is, it just sucks you in. I have to turn it off. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, and, and it may not work for everyone, but for me, it was getting to be a distraction. So I'm like, oh, I'm just, I don't need to do, or put it on, you know, put it on a second screen instead of your home screen or you know, whatever works. Or in folders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to what you were talking about, the phone with telemarketers, we do in my house still have a landline. I don't even know why. When you were talking about (laughs) it before, I was thinking about, you know, why do we have it? I can just cut it off and save some money. Anyway, the ringer is just off Mm. because anybody who may have an emergency has our cell phones. Well, there, yeah. But all the telemarketers call the landline. So I just leave it off during the day and I'll check the voicemail. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to anybody who's listening. If you called my landline, <laughs> which you don't know, I may, I, I cannot say that I listen to the voicemail every day. If you have my email, just email me that w- that would be easier, which <laughs> actually takes me to another question. Do you have a email schedule that you follow? I don't, for one reason, number one, email for whatever reason doesn't seem to distract me like those little red notifications did. So that it's not, a, I'm not as driven for, for that for some reason. 
so it's not a, it's not an issue. It's not a distraction. And the other reason is because the business that I do, you know, speaking and working with clients, you know, we get contact inquiries through our email and our website and those come to my, come to my email. And so for me, those are our priority because I always want to make sure that I'm responding to a client, whether it's a voicemail or an email, you know, those are priorities for me. And so, you know, when something comes in, then I need to deal with it. Now, that being said, like on this call with you and, or if I'm in a meeting or something, I don't check my phone. I turn the phone off or, or put it down because whoever I'm working with deserves my full attention. The phone can wait. But once I get to that point of, okay, now I've got a minute, let me check something. I do want to check that email or that voicemail and respond to something that's, um, you know, if it needs immediate attention to respond to someone, I, I try to do that. That's a priority for me. But some of that is because of the business I'm in and working with people. So, and again, it kind of comes back to what are your values? You know, if email is more of a distraction and you're getting more junk emails, then you're not getting clients in that way. That may be something that you want to have a protected, you know, I know people who do email like once a day, like I read of an executive recently who they got up in the morning and it was their morning routine to deal with emails for an hour, but that was that was what they did for that hour, but they didn't check it again for the rest of the day. So, you know, again, it kind of comes back to if I know where I'm going and how I'm going to get there, I can put those action steps in place to help me do that. Absolutely. I have actually transitioned myself from checking whenever I saw the little envelope appear to checking maybe in the morning and then at the end of the day. And then usually I'm only in there if I'm expecting something because that is for me anyway, it's not how my clients get in touch. So. Right. Perfectly good. Yeah. I want to circle back around to sure. talking about the no, because okay. in talking about women and confidence and leadership, there's multiple sides of confidence. There's the knowing that you're good enough to go forward and ask for something and not being scared of the no, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But there's also being scared of what happens if you yourself say no, what are other people going to think? That's uh, yeah, you're, it's a pretty profound difference because confidence is something that we like. We're attracted to that because it, ins- it inspires us. It, it builds trust. It builds influence. If we know someone is confident, we have confidence in them. They know what they're doing. They've, you know, maybe they've got experience at it or they're speaking from that experience. So confidence in our, particularly in our leaders or someone whom we're following is a good thing. And, um, you know, I talk about this a little bit in my, my new book, Leadership Gems, where the difference between confidence and arrogance is humility. So we want leaders who are confident, but who also have some humility. So it's okay to say, yes, I'm good at something. That's confidence. If you have a strength and you are good at that, that's okay. That's an ability. That's a talent. That's a gift. You know, I think it's perfectly good to recognize that and say, hey, this is something I'm good at. Where we have to be careful in being overconfident is crossing the line and saying, well, hey, I'm all that and a bag of cookies because I can do this. So we have to kind of season that with a little bit of humility. So I think that's that's important. But absolutely, if you have a, a strength and a gift and you're good at something, I think you should be confident in that. Don't be afraid to, to ask for that or, you know, if you're asking for something in relation to that, um, own it. Because if it's yours, it's yours. And who is it? I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said that each one of us is gifted in something 
And we can do that one thing better than 10,000 other people. I'm going to have to look that up. I did it myself, but I can't okay. remember either. I cannot remember off the top of my head. So, but it's 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 someone who said it. So, I need to look, to look that up as well. And the other thing you you talked about was saying no yourself and being, you know, being afraid what what would the consequences be? For me, I find the the strength and the courage to say no and not worrying about what what other people might think if I'm very much in alignment with my values. So if I know something is not in alignment with my values, you know, I know that I need to say no and I can say no with confidence and not worry about what that other person is going to think about because I can say, Hey, this might be a great thing, but it's not, it's not my thing. So I'll give you an example. A lot of times the way I teach this or Mac and I teach this when we're speaking is Kim, if, if you and I are getting ready to walk out the door today and I'm going to go drive to New York and you're driving to LA, can we ride together? No. No. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean you're not a great person. It just means we're not going the same direction. And so something I heard uh, someone say a few years ago, it's pretty powerful for me, is whenever an opportunity comes up, I can ask myself, is this going to move me in the right direction? And if the answer is no, I need to decline it. And it doesn't matter if it's a good opportunity or missed opportunity or somebody may feel like they've gotten their feelings hurt. I just need to say no. And I talk about it as a stewardship. You know, I'm a person of faith. And so I talk about, you know, we steward our money. We steward, we talk about money as a stewardship, but our time is just as much, if not more of a stewardship. And so, you know, I can only, I can only protect what I have. But when I can, I can do a better job of stewarding it wisely. Oh, absolutely. And something I like to, or something I think about in this context a lot is, and I know it might seem unrelated, is the movie Miracle on 34th Street, where Mm. Santa is referring customers to other places. (laughs) So, you know, even if we say no, we can give a lot by referring the person somewhere else to where they Absolutely. can, you know, even get better services and then they would respect us even more. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of an abundance mindset. We're saying, you know, there's enough to go around. Let me connect to you. Let me, let, I can add value to you. Maybe connect some dots for you. And if I can't, I just, I have to say that up front. Hey, I, I'm not the best person to help you. Not my strength. And sometimes we're serving people better. Like you said, you just mentioned that sometimes they can get something better somewhere else. You know, if a, if a client comes to me and they want coaching and it's something that is not in my strength zone, or I feel like I'm I'm just not the best fit for them, I will absolutely tell them, Hey, you know, you maybe need to find something different because I am not the best person for you. If I tried to take that person on and we're not a good fit, I'm not doing them any good. I'm not doing me any good. At the end of the day, it's not moving either one of us forward. I love that you brought that up because I was looking at an opportunity last year. And to be totally honest, I didn't have money for it, but I saw a way that the money could come up. But flat Mm -hmm. out, I asked the person who was running this event, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And I was really looking for an honest response. Right. And she actually came back and said, I wouldn't do it. Wow. And that filled me with so much. It gave her so much integrity to me Mm -hmm. that I know that when the opportunity arises again, I will go back because I know that she's honest and, you know, led me in the right direction when I needed to hear it rather than saying, yes, you know, go open up a credit card so you can pay me. Right. It builds trust. And, you know, she, we know any interaction we have with someone, we're either making a deposit and increasing our trust and our influence 
or we're decreasing it. And, you know, we need to be authentic and, and transparent to our values so that when we say, hey, no, it's not the best thing for you, we're building trust with that person. Just like you have so much more respect for her now that you know that you can trust her because she's she's built that reputation for you. Oh, absolutely. I just have to say, you have been full of so many awesome tweetables. I can't wait to <laughs> wait to you. You've just had so many great nuggets of information during this whole chat. Every time you say something like what you just said, I can't wait to listen to the recording so I can pull it out because now my big mouth has gotten in the way of my memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kim. Yeah, I'm it's, been, it's been awesome. So. That's exciting. I, I love just your energy. And I, I, yeah, I just can't wait to see where your podcast and your listeners are going because you've got a lot of good stuff going for you. Thank you so much. And speaking of good things going, tell us again when Leadership Gems for Women is coming out and also where listeners can find out more about you and all the great things that you're doing. Sure. Leadership Gems will be releasing the first week of April. So in about three or four weeks. You can find out more about me at topstoryleadership.com. So topstoryleadership.com. And you can pre-order the book there. It will be available on Amazon about the first week of April, but pre-orders are available now. So, you know, that's something some people like to do. But you can find more out about speaking and coaching and uh, leadership development on my website. I was going to say, feel free to connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. So feel free to connect with me. It's just Rhea.story. Listeners, you can find all these great links and all the information that we've talked about, including the transcription at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP088. Rhea, it has been fabulous having you here today. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you, Kim. It's my pleasure. Take care. You too. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast, and I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.